You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's up, guys? Hope that you're doing so well. This week, we are in part three of our series, Until I Breathe My Last, where we're looking at the book of Second Peter. This is Peter's last letter to the early church. He's most likely writing it from Rome. And uh, we've had a couple weeks where we've been looking at chapter one of Second Peter, and uh, next week I'm really excited to have Jordan Steingerber with us. And through conversation, he got really hyped about chapter two of the letter. So we're going to jump forward to chapter three, and then Jordan's going to bring us back into chapter two next week. So if you missed the first couple weeks, you can catch that on the first two episodes of this uh, series uh, on the podcast here. But let's recap. Peter is addressing the church. Um, he's addressing the early church, and he's most likely most likely writing from Rome. And in this chapter, chapter three of second Peter, Peter is addressing the church about the second coming of Christ, but also touches on how we should posture ourselves and conduct ourselves in the meantime. So we're going to look at uh, a passage, um, only about nine verses long. And, uh, I think there's a lot of things that we can pull from it because while Peter is directly talking about what is to come, there's also a lot of things that we can apply to our present day. So second Peter chapter three, verse one says, dear friends, this is now the second letter I've written to you in both letters. I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder. So the first point this week is sincere understanding. I love that Peter qualifies what kind of understanding he is talking about here. True, sincere understanding. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that there are different kinds of understanding in life. There are probably different ways of defining this, but I'll use I'll use these two terms. The first one would be face value understanding, and the second one would be experienced understanding. I think there's so many things that we can understand at face value, experiences that, that we want to avoid or seek out. If we haven't experienced them, but we're like, I know I don't want to be there. I know I don't want to do that. I know I don't want to experience that. Circumstances that we want to find ourselves in or maybe circumstances that we don't want to find ourselves in, but we just understand at a face value, oh, I would love to do that. Oh, a vacation to Italy. I would love to do that. Like We just understand that at face value. But until we're personally in the midst of an experience or in the midst of a circumstance, the understanding that we hold is less than, right? Like that trip to Italy sounds amazing, but until you are in Italy experiencing that trip, our understanding of what it would be like is less than. We have to experience it to fully understand it. I think what Peter is encouraging the church toward is making sure that they truly and sincerely understand the message of Jesus, not because he simply said something about it, but because they have personally experienced it or have put themselves in relationship or they've put themselves in relationship with someone who's experienced it. As someone who gets to preach the gospel weekly, I do not want you to believe the message of Jesus because I quote unquote said so but because you've experienced, you've encountered the living God. I want you to experience Jesus. I don't want you to believe in Jesus because I told you to, right? That's not to say that words don't matter. That's evident by Peter's next words. He says, I want you to have a sincere understanding by way of reminder. Peter's writing this letter and the one before it because he wants them to be reminded of what they already know to be true. These are words written down for them to be reminded. We get to experience so many things throughout this life and throughout our relationship with Jesus, but it's incredibly important for us to get to experience them. It's so awesome to experience them for the very first first time, but we cannot diminish the value of being reminded. 
there are these like key moments that we get to experience God in unique ways. It's different for each and every one of us. And one of the, the moments that I remember is being baptized as a young kid. And I just remember it just being so incredible. And I remember these sweet moments with my parents. And I remember sweet moments with my pastors and getting to, to be baptized. And I just like this, this flag in the ground moment. I'll never forget it. But since then, I've got to be a part of dozens and dozens and dozens of baptisms as a pastor. And there's one story that I'll, I'll just never forget, one experience that I'll never forget. I had me and three of uh, our young adults, and these are three guys that I was doing life with, and two of them wanted to get baptized. And they're like, but we don't want to get baptized um, just like on a weekend service. So we made a plan to, to hike Mystic Lake here in Montana in uh, we did it. We set outside a weekend. We hiked Mystic Lake, and and we just like had such great conversation as we we're hiking up this mountain. And at the top of this hike, there's kind of this switchback where you have to come back and forth on this rock face. And we could tell it was getting a lot colder, and we could tell that the the fog was starting to roll in. And by the time we reached the top, where you kind of come down over the top of Mystic Lake, you can't see five feet in front of you. Like the fog has rolled in completely. We're in the middle of a cloud. Like you could barely see your hand in front of your face. And uh, we just, we walk down and it's just like this really cool experience. We get down to the lake and we get ready for the baptisms. There's this perfect spot and we come out into the water. It's just this like holy moment where we got to pray and, and talk through what they were doing and eventually get them baptized and Man, I wasn't getting baptized, but it brought me back to when I was in that, that, that special moment. Like God reminded me of some things that he spoke to me when I was baptized, what he's spoken to me in the years since. It was just really incredible reminder. You see, God wants us to have a sincere understanding, an experienced understanding of who he is, and he will remind us over and over and over again. Peter goes on to say this in chapter 3, verse 2. It says, So that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. The next point is this. Recall the words. Recall the words. Jordan's going to touch it next week on a, on a culture that Peter is writing into. It's full of false teachers. But what Peter is doing in this moment is encouraging the church to hold fast to what they have been taught. Hold fast to what they've been taught. Hold fast to what they're currently being taught and also what they will be taught in the future. Peter lists three specific groups of people in just this one verse. It says the prophets. We talked about this last week, but we cannot neglect the lessons that we can learn from the Old Testament, from the prophets as well. All, we, all it will do is confirm our need of a Savior that we have now been given. Right, the Old Testament points towards Jesus, the need of a Messiah. Then he says, our Lord and Savior. So the gospel, the message, the way is Jesus. Everything said by the prophets points forward to Jesus, to our Lord and Savior. And everything spoken by the disciples points back to Jesus. There are no words worth listening to more than those spoken by Jesus. So we need to recall the words of the prophets. We need to recall the words of our Lord and Savior. And then we need to recall the words of your apostles, the words spoken about Jesus through the apostles. Peter wanted them to know that what he and the other apostles had to say was important, not because of who they were, but because what they had to say was all about Jesus. I love that it says your apostles. We were for you. 
We are with you. We get to recall the words of the prophets, of Jesus, and of the apostles. And those are all people we should be listening to today as well. We should be listening to the prophets of the Old Testament. We should be listening to Jesus, obviously, and we should be listening to the apostles and what they had to say about Jesus. I would also add that, that we also get the opportunity to continually learn from people that we trust today. Now, I am absolutely not putting myself or any other pastor, any other communicator on the same level as the prophets or the apostles. And certainly I'm not putting ourselves, putting us on the same level as Jesus. But we get to learn from other people who point us back towards Jesus, who are rooted in the gospel, who want nothing more than for us to know the love of Christ. Whether that is a friend or a leader or a pastor, we have people that we get the opportunity to learn from. In the next few passages, there is this is where we'll see Peter shift his focus, talking about the day of the Lord or the last days and, and what we should expect. Here's the thing about the Gospels. The promises of Jesus were not regulated to just the forgiveness of sins, but they were also promises of what was to come. It wasn't, you're forgiven from everything that has happened. It's, here's a promise for what will happen. A perfect world with a perfect God. We're saved from our past and we are promised a future. And that's why the gospel message is so compelling. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3-7 through seven says, Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last day, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlooked this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, keep being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. This is really, really strong language spoken by Peter. There's going to be scoffers, and they forget that the world was destroyed through water. It was made through water, and it was destroyed through water, and now fire is being held up in the heavens, being kept for the day of judgment, for the destruction of the ungodly. But here's the point that I, I want to make is this. Prepare to be challenged. Prepare to be challenged. I love this warning presented from Peter because I think that it applies to followers of Jesus, especially here in the West, a little bit more than other warnings we typically talk about. Often we'll hear that the Christians are be, are persecuted and in the Western church, and I try, I try so hard not to roll my eyes, but like here in the United States, we're like, oh, we're being persecuted because people are talking about Christians different than they should be. That's not really persecution. Persecution is what people are going through in other parts of the world where they literally literally fear for their lives because of their faith in Jesus. But being scoffed at, being mocked, I think that applies to us really well. I think it feels more accurate. Peter makes it really clear that those who follow Jesus will be taunted mocked and scoffed at for their beliefs. But Peter also says this, he says, things continue as they have since the beginning of creation. This is nothing new. That from the beginning, people have made fun of, mocked, jeered at followers of Jesus. And at some point in our lives, we will probably be mocked for our beliefs. Somebody will tell us that we're crazy. This is a fairly unserious story to point out a serious point. Um, we used to hand out coffee downtown here in Billings and uh, we would just take these push pots of coffee around and we would interact with the homeless people and just give them coffees and granola bars and ask if we could pray for them. And it was really awesome. It was really great experiences uh, for many of us. And I remember one time we were in the Hardee's parking lot. There was this group of people and this one guy and I kind of just like singled off and we're having a conversation. He's like, what are you guys doing? 
and uh, I think he was drunk. Um, and I was like, well, hey man, like I'm a pastor, and we're just we're just trying to give you guys like a, a hot cup of coffee and a granola bar or whatever. And he's like, okay, well, thanks. And he goes, so you teach people sorcery? And I was like, no, that's not what I do. And he's like, yep, that's what you do. You teach people sorcery. He's like, you, that Harry Potter stuff that you're on. And I was like, okay, yeah. And so he didn't want me to pray for him. And so I like walk away. And for the next 10 or 15 minutes, as we interacted with other people in that area, he followed me around and he just kept yelling like Harry Potter spells. He just, Leviosa, and like all these different things. And he just kept, he would not leave me alone. He just kept coming behind me and like mocking me by saying these different Harry Potter spells. And it was honestly like really funny at the time. I think I was a little frustrated and annoyed, but like now that I think about it back on it, like it was really funny and honestly pretty witty uh, for him to do that. But in all seriousness, throughout my life, I've had people be pretty aggressive towards my beliefs. I've had, I've been called stupid for believing the things that I believe, ignorant, dim-witted. I've been lumped together with people of other groups who claim to be Christians who are filled with hate and anger towards others. And I hate that. I hate it. I hate being made fun of. I hate people thinking that I believe something that I don't believe. And maybe you've been there too. Maybe you've been mocked or taunted for what you believe. But here's what we need to remember. Being aware of and prepared for scoffers, mockers, taunters will allow us to respond to them. And it would be a response of compassion and a response of love. Not of anger, not of defensiveness, but just of love. We should avoid the need to win any arguments about our faith. We're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to win people's hearts for Jesus to let them know that they are loved forgiven, accepted, that God wants nothing more than to invite them into the family of God. Peter goes on to say this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-9. through 9. He says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So a question I want to end with is, how do we view delay? How do we view delay? I have terrible patience. Maybe some of you would identify with that as well. Like, I am not a patient person at all. But Peter, following up his statement about people scoffing about the coming of Jesus and taunting and making fun of, makes this incredible statement about God's timing. He's saying people are going to make fun of you for believing that God is still coming. And you might get frustrated that he has not come yet. But remember these two words, God's timing. That should remind us that he is the one in control, not us. Peter wants his audience to understand that God does nothing on accident. He will make things come to fruition when he determines that it is best. Often we fight tooth and nail, becoming impatient with God when in all reality he is simply being patient with us. He wants nothing more than to fulfill the promises, but he will only do it at the right time. So would our response to his patience with us be our own patience with him? It can be displayed through a trust in his timing, saying, yeah, your way, Jesus, your timing, not mine. It can be displayed displayed through patience with others, 
Jesus, I know that you're patient with me. I know that you keep giving me opportunities to learn. Would you help me be patient with others? And it can be displayed through a posture like Jesus's, saying, as Peter says, wanting all to come to repentance. We want everybody to know Jesus. We want everybody to surrender their lives to Jesus. And that's going to take some patience. Embrace the delay. Embrace the delay. He is preparing us for something far greater than we could ever ask for or imagine. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.